Today on TechNATO, we'll be talking with Joe Holbrook about all things blockchain, as well as the Google Cloud and why you should maybe take a look at that instead of some of the other providers. That's all coming up on TechNATO, starting right now. Hello and welcome to TechNATO. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I'm joined today by Don Pazet. Don, how are you doing? I am doing great. Excited for another TechNATO interview. We've got a good one lined up today. Yeah, we certainly do. And this is someone that you met at the CompTIA conference recently. So uh, tell us a little bit of backstory there. Yeah, you know, uh, CompTIA has a partner conference every year. This year happened to be in Washington, D.C. Uh, IT Pro TV is a CompTIA partner. And uh, and so we, we go up each year. It's a chance to meet other professionals and, and to meet the team over at CompTIA. And they do train the trainers at these events where uh, some official representative of CompTIA will present a, a new certification so that we all know how we're supposed to teach it and, and all the material we're supposed to cover. So uh, I attended the Cloud Plus Train the Trainer for the new content, and Joseph Holbrook, or Joe, he was the the CompTIA-selected instructor that was there. Uh, so I had a chance to sit through his pr uh, presentation, and I talked to him a little bit later and found out he's, he's right over in Jacksonville, Florida, right around the corner. So... He, uh, you know, agreed to come on our show and do an interview. So it was a it was a neat opportunity, and it was funny to travel. I don't know, eight hundred miles to meet somebody who lives eighty miles away. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we've run into that before. Where we've gone out to Las Vegas for a B sides event, and we'll run into people from a, a company that's down the street, and it's it's pretty cool. But uh, we've got uh, what some insights from or about blockchain. Um, Google Cloud as well, right? Yeah, uh, you know, I really wanted to talk to him about Google Cloud because we we have a lot of training on AWS, and we have Adam Gordon here, who's a huge Azure expert, but none of us are really in the Google Cloud space. And when I talked to Joe at the conference, he had he had said how how much he loved using Google Cloud and you know, like that platform. We'll see if he still feels that way in the interview. All right, sounds good. We'll have that interview right after this break. My name is Dana Morrison. I'm the IT director at Grace Christian School in Raleigh, North Carolina. IT directors often hoard so much knowledge that it's hard for their team members to learn. IT Pro TV has given us the ability to level up our technicians to a point where they can decide this is important for me to learn. I would recommend IT Pro TV uh, to any IT team. It's just a great tool uh, for any IT professional. change the, the desk and the layout in here and that's all around doing more interviews both uh, in the studio and via Skype and we actually have a great one um, via Skype today. Don, this is somebody you met at the CompTIA sure. event you went to earlier this year. Yeah, you know, each year we go to a, a CompTIA partner conference. This year it happened to be in Washington, D.C. and it's a great chance to meet other professionals that are out there in the industry. Uh, I happened to attend the Train the Trainer for the new Cloud Plus certification and the instructor that was there was Joseph Holbrook, who uh, I, I had not met before, but I had a chance to talk to him. You know, that, that's always the great part of going to a conference, you get to meet people. And and actually, it was it was really neat getting to meet him. Turns out that he's from Jacksonville, Florida, which is just around the corner from us, uh, and that he has expertise in a lot of areas that, that we don't necessarily have here in the building. So it was kind of cool to compare notes, and I thought, what a great interview if we get him on the show uh, and just kind of talk and, and learn about some different things that are going on out there in the field. And so to that end, 
we have Mr. Joe on the line with us for today's interview. Yeah, Joe, why would we uh, continue talking about you? We can just talk to you. So, uh, <laughs> hey, yeah, there you go. How are you doing, Joe? <laughs> I'm, I'm excellent. Thank you. Appreciate the invitation. Yeah, definitely. So so Don mentioned uh, you know a little bit of, of what you talked about at the CompTIA event, but looking down your, your LinkedIn profile, you've got a lot going on. So you're an expert in, in blockchain, yes. an expert in, in cloud computing. So tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into this stuff. Great question. Uh, you know, sometimes things happen by accident or just you see an opportunity and you take it. But um, basically, I've been in IT for literally 20 plus years. Um, I started actually with HP Unix uh, back in the U.S. Navy. And then uh, I got out of the service and started working uh, in data storage. So I had the opportunity to uh to learn about and, and actually implement storage area networks worldwide for many companies, such as Brocade and, um, um, you know, uh, EMC, VMware uh, partners as well, a company called Vion, which was literally Hitachi Data Systems Federal at the time. Uh, and then after that, um, it just came down to everybody was talking about the cloud and started asking me about the cloud. So I figured I'd get to know the cloud. And um, I've been working with AWS for about five years, but really got into Google about two and a half years and um, really enjoyed uh, how Google Cloud has started maturing. And then uh, about the last year, I started you know, working a lot with blockchain as well. So that's sort of uh, just a short little background uh, as far as like my uh, experience overall. Sure. So, so as Don mentioned, you know, we, we've got a lot of experience here with AWS, with Azure, and not as much with, with the Google Cloud. So what drew you to that? And, and when you, uh, you know, kind of got under the hood there, what, what made you like it so much? Um, to be honest, um, I've always been the kind of person that sort of goes away from the crowd and I've always like had niches, like I knew AWX, uh, you know, AIX, for example, as well as HP Unix. Well, everybody knew Solaris, for example. So I've always been like that niche sort of person, I guess. And so I, I like Google mainly for three main reasons. All right. Well, two plus one little side reason. The first thing I really appreciate about Google Cloud is that, um, you know, it's easy to use. It's really easy to understand. Um, AWS, of course, is simple, but the challenge with AWS now is that there's so many services and there's so many little variations to variations. And for example, with AWS, there's what, over 25,000 line items on a bill. And I was literally helping a customer last year that had literally, I think it was a 1200 page bill. And um, that was a blast to go through. But um, <laughs> but with that said, Google Cloud is just so much simpler. Um, so that was sort of my thought. I, I felt it was simpler and I could teach it more effective. But also too, number two, the demand is just clearly skyrocketing. Um, it's gotten to the point now where I don't really teach AWS because there's so much demand with Google Cloud, to be honest. Um, and then the third reason is, is I, I believe in the leadership of uh, Google Cloud and they're really making the right investments. And what I mean by investments is the marketing uh, as well as uh, the training and also the image because Google Cloud typically um, has not done well marketing with enterprises. They've been developer focused. 
so they're starting to to get to to know the audience they actually want to sell to. So I see a lot of possibilities. You know, let me let me build on that because uh, you know you mentioned two things there about one how Google isn't necessarily the greatest at marketing. Um, I would also throw in they're also not the greatest at talking to their customer. But, uh, yes. <laughs> but um, you know, you mentioned that the demand for that type of training is skyrocketing. And uh, to me, I, I see there, there could be two possible reasons for that. So one, it could be that the service is just catching on. A lot more people are adopting it. Or two, it could be that there's an absence of training out there. I mean, if you go and look for people to train on Google Cloud, there's actually not a, a ton of, of stuff. You can find a ton of AWS training out there, but on the Google Cloud side, it's a little harder. Uh, do you feel like it's it's one of those reasons more than the other, or it's kind of even? Like, is Google Cloud really picking up with the enterprise space? I, I do I do see that, and I know that uh, talking to several Google P- Cloud uh, partners, I, I guess is how I should say it, uh, they're starting to see the the uptick as well. So companies that sell Google Cloud and services, provide services, are really seeing a demand as well. Now, I'll be honest, though, I don't see, from my perspective, like the employee demand. Uh, and what I mean by that is that companies, um, you know, perhaps uh, such as Deloitte or KPMG or Booz Allen Hamilton, you know, that might be hiring for cloud experts um, really have that demand for people in house right now. Um, I don't, again, as a, as a independent consultant in most cases, I don't, you know, I don't see that demand anymore because that's, I'm not looking for that, but um, I do, can, I can vouch though that uh, companies are definitely looking for trainers and I've had a couple interesting offers to, to be honest, uh, to consider, but the, the reality is, is it's there, but to, to sort of make a point, I, I think the demand is going to definitely pick up because you're correct, there is not a lot of knowledge. And two, I think Google Cloud is starting to get their marketing right. Um, and and uh, I think the third thing I want to add quickly um, is that I think Google Cloud um, is, is looking to... Um, to focus on the enterprise now and, and get that image corrected uh, that, that you just sort of mentioned as, as well as me, you know, totally off the cup, to be honest, <laughs> wasn't scripted. So, um, so it's interesting that you said that as well. So, yeah. So how much of that is, is just marketing versus are, are there certain types of businesses or, or specific customers that you think are better suited to be on one cloud versus another based on the, the type of business that they do? Or do you see them as kind of all created equally and it's just a matter of, uh, of deciding which platform works for you? I, I do um, see Google Cloud, AWS, and Azure as really targeted use cases in a lot of in, in a lot of cases, I guess. Um, what I mean is that, for example, I'll just talk about Google, for example. Now, Google has traditionally marketed um, platform as a service. They do that remarkably well. Google App Engine, very solid, very well supported. There's a lot of knowledge in Google App Engine. However, infrastructure as a service, AWS is still you know, the king of the hill, right? There's no argument. Um, when it comes to other services, I think, um, you know, specific companies uh, that are looking for specific uh, specialized services like machine learning or AI, I think it's a toss up in a lot of cases between Google and AWS. Um, 
And my thought on Azure is I'm not sure where Azure fits in because they don't market like like I think they used to. I you know it's sort of hard to know, but um, perhaps that's just a, a thought. But um, my whole thought is um, Google is definitely targeting companies that are software shops. They're target targeting retail big time. Um, they're also targeting as well, from my understanding, um, from partners I've spoken to, uh, the financial sector now, which should be interesting because their compliance requirements are not, in my opinion, up to snuff yet. So, so I know I, like, I, I'm an AWS guy. Uh, you know, I got involved with the cloud very early on. Amazon's kind of the market leader, so that, that's where I, I went. Yes. As it evolved, new competition came out. Microsoft Azure came along, now Google Cloud. And it was easy to, to turn your back on them in the beginning because they didn't have all the features, right? I, I knew there were, there were right. core things I had to have. I had to have some kind of virtual machine hosting like Google Compute. Um, we need some kind of DNS management. We need uh, VPCs or, or virtual networking of some sort. Like Those were core components that you had to have. But yeah. AWS had so many other things like the virtual queuing services and storage and so on that it took Azure a little while to ramp up to get to that point, which they did pretty quickly. Google was going through that as well. But I, I see that that lead that Amazon had kind of declining there, that now they're, they're starting to reach feature parity. You mentioned you came from AWS before and kind of moved over to Google Cloud. Are there any services that you found that you, that you miss? Like something that you say, oh, well, I was able to do that on AWS, but I can't under Google, now i got to do a workaround. So good question. I, I think, uh, you know, from an EC2 perspective, I think uh, there's more features and functions there, perhaps. Um, but I do also believe from a partner ecosystem, AWS has the lead from what I've seen as well. So, for example, if you want to spin up specific firewalls like Palo Alto support on Google, but... I don't, I don't believe Checkpoint is at this point and some of the other third-party marketplace things that you would find on AWS are just not there yet. So Google is, again, it's a work in progress, and, and I think uh, that's one of the things I would miss. Uh, the training, okay, I'll be honest. Uh, even as a trainer and uh, one that develops courses, um, I don't find the documentation with Google to be at the same level. AWS would be here. And Google is still, you know, it's optional. It's like, a, <laughs> you know, it's like an option. It's not a requirement yet. And, and no pun intended there. It's just, uh, and this is something I feel a lot from students and customers. Um, but Google, of course, you know, talks developers and developers typically don't like to read. They like to play and they figure things out. So that's why Google, you know, just hasn't really focused on the enterprise market. Uh, the other thing is AWS has a very solid community. Um, for example, even in a hick town like Jacksonville, right? <laughs> um, you know, sort of up there with Gainesville, no pun intended. <laughs> Um, you know, lots of good fishing and stuff, but, you know, the tech community is is still evolving. Um, there is actually a few user groups for AWS, um, but you won't find actually anyone that knows Google here. And uh, if there is a Google requirement in Florida, I typically get the call. <laughs> so. 
so I hope that gave you a few ideas. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's an area that is, is certainly growing. There's plenty of room for cloud providers. I think one thing that the companies are stressing this year uh, in 2018 and definitely in 2019 is this idea of a hybrid cloud where people are deploying solutions in more than one cloud or a mixture of on-premises and in the cloud. Uh, Microsoft did a huge presentation on that at MS Ignite this year, you know, really encouraging people to, to stick with on-premises servers and stuff in Azure. Obviously, you can double up with Microsoft licensing that way, which they love. Uh, with Google, do they do you find they have support that is, is robust for that, for having like on-prem or, or even spreading across more than one cloud provider? That's in a, a work in progress. <laughs> so Yeah, it's, um, you know, the latest they, trend, these know, things evolve. I'll, Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think your question's pretty good. Um, my answer, though, is, you know, again, work in progress. And here's why. Um, so Google does have a hybrid monitoring solution called Stackdriver. Now, that does a pretty good job at monitoring Google Cloud. It, it does everything for you. Um, if you want to set up AWS, it's, of course, another whole process in itself. You got to create a project in Google Cloud to monitor AWS, which not sure I totally understood that, even though I do it. <laughs> Leave it to, again, that's what was this, that was probably the, the direct route to get it done quickly. Now, um, as far as uh, Google Cloud, for example, I think hybrid cloud is definitely on the roadmap. And, and yes, you could certainly integrate um, hybrid solutions uh, with Google, and you could certainly, you know, take your on-prem and extend it to Google. No, no question about it. Now, again, a lot of the marketplace solutions to help facilitate AWS are not there uh, in Google Cloud. Um, the one thing I will say um, is that Google Cloud does have some good tools, like uh, I think it's called VeloStrata is one of them, that uh, will help you onboard to Google Cloud uh, and migrate your VMs, for example. But the on-prem, um, you know, capacity is still there. But the one thing that I, I, I probably should mention that is really a big deal for customers that already have this set up is if you're using like G Suite, for example, um, you have a rapid capability to to federate your identities. It's like almost, you know, built into Google Cloud. And that can really make the administrative burden really easy as well. So just a couple points. Yeah, you know, so there's a lot of cool stuff to be had there. And sometimes for us, it, we have to disseminate between what the marketing people are telling us, what we're supposed to see and what we're actually seeing. And, you know, yeah. building on that, let's talk about some of the marketing that's come out of Google. Uh, they have obviously done a huge push in the world of, of Kubernetes and uh, containerized applications. And so that's kind of what we get we get told from the marketing angle is, hey, you guys really should be doing containerized applications. You can deploy Kubernetes on-prem in the cloud. You can push your apps super easy, makes continuous deployment super easy. Do you find in the real world have people already adopted that or are they still just doing regular virtual machines and throwing things up and, and Kubernetes is more of like a in the future type thing? What, what are you seeing on the ground? Good question. So I am seeing customers go to like a continuous integration, continuous deployment pipeline. Uh, it's definitely, again though, um, to point out, this is really more a market segment than like the market as a whole, like software shops will do that. Um, 
or larger enterprises that have like a solid uh, software development. You know, they follow best practices like Agile, uh, perhaps a former, you know, um, waterfall, you know, approaches in the past maybe made them look at going to like a, a more, you know, friendly approach to rolling out your deployments, uh, for example. But again, it's more software shops that just do that really well. But I am seeing Kubernetes engine. Um, oddly enough, uh, the last few courses, the last two courses I've taught with Pearson, I can say, for example, people want to know Kubernetes engine, for example. It's definitely uh, an area of interest, uh, to, to be straight up. <laughs> yeah, for a lot of people, it's a big shift from what they've traditionally yeah. learned. And so it's, it's something you've got to, well, for a lot of people are starting from scratch on if you haven't been involved in containers early on. Uh, and that, I, I just find that area changes yeah. so fast that I, I would be scared as a company to deploy that in production right now and, and rely upon it because it is just changing so, so fast. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see where that one goes. Well, we've been yep. focusing on Google Cloud so far, uh, which I, I find really fascinating because I, I know it, it's neat to, to bump into people that are experts in different products than what we're used to. But you have another title that's stuck onto your name. A lot of times we see it. You've actually authored some courseware uh, on blockchain and blockchain use, and I know you're pretty active in that space. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Peter, I know you had some questions, but let's just kind of start really general. What What's some of the... What's some of the work that you've been doing in the blockchain space so far? Uh, mainly right now, it's enterprise focused. So one of the things to clarify with your audience is a lot of folks seem to think that when you talk blockchain, it means like Bitcoin, right? And so just to make sure, yeah, I, you know, I have my Bitcoin cup and I've had Bitcoin and Litecoin and Monero, you name it. But Enterprises are more focused on, you know, the platform, not the cryptocurrencies. And and what I'm definitely seeing right now is that companies are doing a lot of proof of concepts. Um, matter of fact, on my blog posts, uh, I wrote just a proof of concept um, a blog post just on performing a POC with blockchain, because I think this is where a lot of organizations are considering. And I know... One of the organizations, uh, an insurance company up in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, basically is looking at going to a blockchain proof of concept, which is, you know, just for the time being to see how they could get on board a consortium. Uh, and and a consortium is what? Consortium is basically a group of like-minded organizations that work together to uh, to sort of you know get software built uh, for example when it comes to blockchain software and we're definitely seeing that I think uh, taking an interest once again um, the blockchain is definitely there uh, but one of the other things I think you might be interested in is you have permissionless and permission and now we're starting to see this shift from like ethereum to like corda or Hyperledger, for example. And now we're getting blockchains that are starting to change the, the word blockchain is now it's called a distributed ledger. And what's a ledger? It's a database. <laughs> so uh, I always, I'm always fascinated by the marketing jargon because, you know, the blockchain was decentralized and now we're going back to what? A centralized platform. 
Yeah, you know, I've seen some really bizarre uses for blockchain, oh, yeah. too, beyond... Because I, I immediately, for, for the longest time, when I, I heard blockchain, I thought, you know, financial records, right? You track financial records, and that's why it's great for Bitcoin. It can be used for other things. And when you say ledger, ledger's an accounting term, you know, it all... I, I thought about money. Uh, but there was a company that... Uh, they, they've been around for a few years now. I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. StoreJ. And what uh -huh. they did is they said, well, why not use blockchain for cloud storage, uh, and, you know, you can throw your data up there and now you've got this immutable storage that has a, a full ledger of any modifications that are made to it. And, and you can use it as that cloud type solution. I thought that was really creative. And that was the one that opened my eyes to the fact that, man, blockchain can be used for a heck of a lot more. So you, you described it there as a database. And if you think about like, what, what can you put in a database? Anything, right? So <laughs> that, that leaves it open for companies to get really creative. What, uh, uh, what, what are some of the, the more uh, the, the most creative example of blockchain use that you've seen so far? So I think, uh, you know, other than the financial industry, because there's a lot of interesting projects that are going on. But one of the ones that I like uh, was basically by by the uh, and I forgive forgive me for not knowing the exact acronym that they use top of my head, but it's by the jewelry industry. And one of the challenges with the jewelry industry is the ability to source and track, for example, where diamonds come from. For example, a lot of the diamonds are sourced from like the Congo, um, you know, Central Africa is, is my understanding. And um, I think uh, the consortium was built by the Bear Diamond Group. Uh, and, and again, there's a term for that. But What's interesting is, is that they're building this blockchain that's already in, I guess, uh, beta mode to allow customers to order specific diamonds or when they buy a diamond to track how it came from point A to point B and give them that logistics. And, and also, too, that diamond uh, is actually, um, you know, serialized or like has a quin number. So that that if you could always go back in the blockchain to validate that that diamond was that in fact bought two years ago from this company, so I think that's pretty creative. Um, but once again, to to be fair and honest, the blockchain is still you know sort of like you know not a toddler but more of an infant. <laughs> so it's still still evolving, and companies are talking about it, but I haven't seen really any super you know, valid implementations as of yet. Now, I saw on one of the um, many lists of, of courses you taught and videos you had, um, yes. somewhere uh, it had, uh, it was talking about blockchain use in, in government. Where do you see uh, the government being able to take advantage of this technology? Well, the government is probably going to be one of the best customers because we know that governments in general do two things really, you know, well. And that is uh, they don't uh, budget well, <laughs> and they don't typically tell the truth. And uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, no politics uh, in this, uh, this video, of course. When, when but, you said uh, the government does two things really well, I thought we were going to get our sensor button ready. Yeah, Don's ears uh, yeah. perked up like, oh, really? Yeah. The two things they do really well yeah. is not doing things very well. Okay, so yeah. how can this yeah. help solve yes. those problems? Yeah. So, so what I was trying to get at is wouldn't it be great if the government was actually held accountable and actually was transparent, right? 
Uh, one of the challenges with any company or any organization, especially governments, is how do we know that our, our money is being spent appropriately? Or how do we know that uh, these products are being shipped from China are not being shipped from China to Canada and then sold as Canadian goods, right? That would never happen. Now, I do know, for example, some really good government use cases that are being looked at. One is from the General Services Agency. They actually put out a, um, a request for proposal last year that might be of interest for folks to take a look at. Another really interesting use case is the um, sort of like the government uh, country slash city of Dubai. Now, Dubai is probably the biggest government um, in the world that has accepted blockchain 100%. Matter of fact, they've made it to the point where they've mandated all services go to the blockchain. So tax collection over to uh, basically permits for housing, business licenses, uh, which, which again will be very interesting. And then there's also little use cases, I would say, or actually... Um, I, I guess you'd call the United Nations like a government, maybe. <laughs> they act like it, right? Um, but they've got some good use cases of um, monitoring uh, refugees, making sure refugees are, you know, accounted for, fed appropriately, documented, so on and so on. So there's plenty of great use cases, and I think the government should be the number one benefactor, to be honest. And maybe we can look at campaign finance uh, as well and, oh, <laughs> and track some, uh, yeah, some payments. Where they'll definitely vote to pass that one. Although, you know, uh, ballot tracking wouldn't sure. wouldn't be a bad <laughs> idea, certainly, because, you know, if you tampered with a ballot, it would fail the blockchain validation. So, uh, you know, it could, certainly could have a lot of uses. While you were answering, I, I did a quick Google search on um, the De Beers Diamond Group and found where uh, the, the product you were describing is called Tracer, T-R-A-C-R. Oh. Yep, that's yeah. our, or it might be tracker, I don't know how you'd say it, but uh, TRACR, uh, that they're using as a blockchain to be able to track the diamonds. And there's actually a competing group, because God forbid anybody standardized on anything, um, <laughs> that is using IBM's trust chain platform. I know IBM, they have bought into the the blockchain concept very, very hardcore. Uh, years ago, they got out, out of the hardware industry, sold off all their hardware assets. Now they just do software and services. Apparently, blockchain is one of their one of their up and movers. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I could really see it kind of solving the the voter dilemma. The you know, can we trust our ballots? If there was something like a blockchain in place, that could really work. That makes a lot of sense. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you as well is, uh, you know, we're, we're talking uh, with you as as a trainer. So, if I'm someone that's interested in in learning some more about blockchain, are there some skills I should know coming into this? Because I kind of see this like. We saw the cloud 10 years ago where it's, yeah. that, it's that buzzword everyone's talking about and, and people that might not be uh, too knowledgeable about it yet say, I want to get involved in that. So, so where do I start? Excellent question. And to be honest, uh, a lot of it depends on what you're doing now or what you like to do. But let's just say some of the roles that people could fit in and I'll sort of give you some examples of where you go. The first thing is, is if you're a good coder, uh, if you're already developing in Python or, uh, excuse me, C++, um, Golang is very popular, uh, PHP, Node.js. All of these languages that are typically cloud-friendly, web-friendly, for example, usually these developers can literally go 
more of a instead of like a um, you know a vertical leap, it's more of a horizontal leap for developers to be honest because they get the jargon because in reality the blockchain is nothing more than code. It's coding, nothing more than that. Now, uh, architects, what about if you're a cloud architect? So for me, I was a cloud architect. I sold and built tens of millions of dollars of cloud services, data services in the past when I was a pre-sales engineer and services engineer. I can say right now, if you're working in the cloud, a lot of this is transferable because companies are not going to build their own blockchains. They're looking at services like uh, AWS, AWS, for example, uh, Microsoft Azure has great solutions for Ethereum, and soon I understand for Hyperledger. So it's called Microsoft Workbench. Um, these are they offer free services for people to learn. So that would be sort of one of the thoughts I would sort of put out there. And then, um, if for example, um, well, if you're a marketer, it'd be simple, right? All you're doing is telling stories and just tell a different story, right? But uh, generally, architects. Uh, the one thing that I think uh, that that as a role that might be more challenging uh, is more of like a if you're like an enterprise engineer, let's say, working for an enterprise, then I could see that that would be a challenge because again, how does the blockchain actually fit in, right? And where does it fit in now? But where is it going to fit into my ecosystem, right? Ten years down the road, like if you're at GE or you know, I'm not saying, you know, specific, I'm just giving an example. Like if you're a large enterprise like GE or perhaps CSX or Bank of America or whatever, right? What do you do? You know, how do you understand the blockchain to fit into your company, right? That That's the challenge, I think. All right. So I'm asking you to kind of put on your, um, you know, future uh, fortune teller hat here. But, you know, right now we're seeing uh, the the need in the job market for uh, cybersecurity professionals and, and security is the oh. big thing that we can't find people in. Do you see that as as something that that uh, are, are there going to be just a, a ton of careers and a big need uh, for blockchain experienced people? Or, or is that a, a, um, a niche and, and maybe not something that, uh, that will have that that huge demand in terms of the number of people needed to maintain these systems? I will say, like, I'll just give you a quick example from what I've seen and where, what I think may happen. But basically, like, if you go on LinkedIn, uh, I think it was like two weeks ago, I did a search for just blockchain in the U.S. And I think there was over probably 1,800 roles available that had blockchain. Now, I did the same thing about a year and a half ago. There was about 400. So there's a substantial growth there just on LinkedIn. But of course... LinkedIn is just, what, a small part of the picture. Um, but I do see developers getting, you know, hired like crazy, like their salaries have jumped up if they can develop smart contracts really well. Um, so definitely there, definitely an area. But I, I do see the blockchain growing, but from a security perspective, to answer your question, sometimes I, I might have just expanded too much, but just want to just point out, I I, I do think blockchain will grow and security will go with with it, but there isn't a lot of knowledge out there yet, to, to be honest. So I did have a, uh, a technical question on the side yeah. of, of like a, a private blockchain. Uh, when we look at a blockchain like Bitcoin, right, which is, I imagine, the biggest blockchain right now, uh, you have thousands, tens of thousands of people that are Bitcoin mining at any given time, right, that are working to validate blocks of the, the Bitcoin ledger. 
and yes. they're giving up their CPU power and resources in exchange for occasionally finding a Bitcoin or mining one. Uh, so they're, they're basically getting monetary compensation. So they, they are motivated to validate that ledger. In a private bit uh, blockchain, if I were to, to yeah. do that privately, it's not like thousands of people or tens of thousands of people around the world are going to volunteer their CPU cycles to validate my chain. Am I am I going to do that myself? Like, am I going to have to have my own effectively Bitcoin miners, but from my own blockchain? Uh, and that I imagine would severely limit the amount of data I could move through my blockchain. Right? It's all basically limited by what you can validate. Is that is that accurate? Um, so just to clarify for your listeners, there's two types of blockchains out there. Um, basically, approaches to, to deployment. And it's funny that you brought that up because I'm actually working on a book for pre-sales architects for blockchain and uh, with Wagley Publishing. So that'll be out in January. Uh, actually, uh, it'll be done in January, but probably won't be to the market on Amazon until probably you know June or July. And one of the things that I'm actually going through is documenting exactly what you're talking about. Now, permissionless is different than permissioned. And... If you have a permissionless blockchain, typically they're going to use cryptocurrencies or tokens. Now, if you're an enterprise, you're not going to really have the need for cryptocurrencies or tokens. Uh, and so therefore the membership, it's basically the membership is the amount of nodes that are on there, for example, or, or users using the blockchain. And so with the private blockchain, it's significantly different. And basically like in Hyperledger, you could have anywhere from a couple nodes to hundreds. It depends on what the, the enterprise wants. And you don't have a requirement for any cryptocurrencies or tokens. But, uh, but in a nutshell, I, I think you know, there's, there's a lot of flexibility there. What I do like, though, is companies that are using like IBM um, Hyperledger. Uh, again, it's a consortium, so it's not just I, IBM, but they do 90% of the work. So let's give them credit. <laughs> and uh, with, with that said, you have like a Hyperledger Borrow, which is a very interesting extension to, um, to, to using the Ethereum virtual machines. Uh, and I think there's – so basically any possibility that you're thinking of, uh, Don, will be out there if it's not already there. So no, that, that's just my thought on it. No, that, that helps out a lot because uh, in, in my mind, I, I was always thinking public – uh, blockchains, right? Where any any Joe Blow on the internet could submit a transaction on a public blockchain. But uh, you know the way you're describing it, if it's a private blockchain, then you have to be authenticated to even write to it in the first place. We don't necessarily need to be validating at that same level. Uh, that makes exactly. a lot of sense. I, I'd never even never even occurred to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's permissionless and permissioned. Enterprises use permissioned. Uh, however, they typically can extend to like the Bitcoin payment gateways, for example. So they could be a hybrid blockchain. So since we're talking about hybrid cloud, let's talk about hybrid blockchain. <laughs> uh, and and that's a perfect use case. I'm uh, you know seeing companies right now looking at extending to payment gateways that are using cryptocurrencies. And, and again, this is something that that's going to happen. And is being are already in process, uh, you know, as well. Is it production ready? No, but it's definitely out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Joe, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of let us know about how people can find you if we want to learn more about this. I know you're you're on Medium. Uh, you, you've done a lot of training, and then uh, we've got your your blog as well. Uh, your 
the tech guy over on Steemit. That's S-T-E-E-M-I-T, uh, steemit.com. Search for at uh, the tech guy. Uh, what else do you have going on right now? Anything else you want us to know about? Uh, sure. I'd love to, to tell you some more. Uh, basically, what I have been working on um, is definitely a brand new book uh, that's coming out here in the spring and early summer. Uh, it's going to be on blockchain architecture uh, with Wiley Publishing. Uh, Wiley is definitely one of the top two or three uh, technical publishing you know, outfits out there. So really excited about that. And uh, I actually got that deal through the CompTIA conference as well. So uh, one of the things I always encourage learners uh, is to go out there and just go to events and, and meet people and let people know you're interested in learning more. Uh, but as far as what I'm doing is I'm just trying to get the word out there. Um, I'm also a big fan um, of IT uh, ProCamp, which is, um, I'm, I know you all are familiar with as well. Uh, so working on, uh, you know, some things for this summer uh, as well here in Jacksonville and perhaps other cities, hopefully. And then uh, as far as uh, courses I'm teaching, uh, definitely cloud and blockchain. Google Cloud has really like I said, took up a lot of my time. Uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to uh, to, to working uh, with, with hopefully some of your folks down the road as well, uh, meeting greets at different events uh, down the road. So Yeah, definitely. And, and you, you yeah. have a website, too, that you mentioned is coming out probably yes. before the end of, of 2018, uh, myblockchainexperts.com. Uh, is that yes. kind of information about, uh, about the consulting and services you offer? Um, actually, that's... A, an e-learning platform. It's funny because um, I sort of have the courses ready to go and developed on the back end. It's just a question of extending it to the front end. And I'm trying to build, um, and one of the things I'm not good at is web development. And <laughs> I, I hacked a few things and I decided I got to have someone fix it. You know, I'm just not, I don't have the time to deal with this. And uh, so basically it's going to be an e-learning platform uh, along with the community. One of the things I, I, I'm a big believer in is having a community of like-minded professionals um, with Google Cloud or blockchain uh, or Amazon, whatever that community is focused on, uh, is to help drive you know, participation, uh, but also to help other people get their questions answered and, and anything of that nature. So it's gonna be a quasi um, uh, extension um, e-learning platform uh, with uh, a twist of, uh, you know, side marketing, I guess, for myself as well, um, because I do a lot of video courses as well. So with that said, I I'd love to have a, a platform where people can go for free to learn a few new things here and there as well and, and uh, you know, have that community built. Will you be hosting that on the Google Cloud? Um, actually, <laughs> um, the answer is no. <laughs> My new blog is on Kinsta, which is actually hosted by Google. Um, I love Kinsta because, uh, and if you haven't been to Kinsta.com, I think it is, or Kinsta.org, um, they're a, a WordPress hosting site. They do great articles on Google Cloud, and their availability is, like, literally the best out there. But um, So I do actually have um, uh, a couple websites that I use for training actually on Google Cloud as well. So, um, yeah. All right, good well. Your credibility is back then, yes. as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, Joe, we want to thank you for taking the time to talk with with us today. I know uh, uh, you know you're, you're busy. You've got 
so much going on. You've actually we've got some weather heading our way here in Florida, so uh, got a lot going on. So definitely stay safe uh, with that. But uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right, we've got some more Technado coming up right after this. So stay tuned. I'm James Packer. I'm the General Manager of Kirk ISS based in the Cayman Islands. I used IT Pro TV extensively in my last place. It grew very well, helped upskill the team. I had 110 engineers in the field and we had dozens of IT Pro accounts with the guys training and last year alone they passed over 40 certs by using the online training. I think I can safely say um, without IT Pro TV I wouldn't be where I was today because I only got this job on the back of the qualifications I have. All right, welcome back to TechNado. That was a pretty interesting interview because I, I've, I've heard a lot about Azure, heard a lot about AWS because we talk about the different stories about Kubernetes and, and all the new data centers opening, but we really don't talk about Google Cloud that much. And it doesn't have that much of a market share, I guess. Yeah, it's gaining. You know, it's certainly not a lead player. Google knows that, uh, but it's been growing a lot. So I always thought it's really cool anytime I encounter somebody who uses a technology different than what I use, because it's a chance for me to learn, hey, maybe there's a reason I should try this out, especially one like Google Cloud, where I've tried it out in the past and didn't like it. Now maybe I'll look at it again in the future. I'm, I'm really hoping we can arrange to have Joe come down here to the studio and maybe record some training on Google Cloud, then we can really benefit from it. So we'll we'll see where that goes in the future. When did you try it out? When it, when it first oh, came yeah. out? Okay. Yeah, back so, at the very beginning. Yeah, so it's probably completely different now, so that'll be interesting to, um, to get in and, and play around with a little bit. Well, that was a great interview, but I guess that's pretty much going to do it for us today on TechNado. We have a couple things we want to let you know about. First of all, if you're interested in finding out more about IT Pro TV, whether for yourself or for your business, uh, check us out over at itpro.tv. And we've got a special coupon code for you here, TechNado30. If you want to get a uh, personal subscription, that'll get you 30% off. And we've got a lot of business plans as well. Um, you can learn more about over here on this site. So definitely take a look at that. And we've also got some other educational opportunities coming up. We just uh, just had a webinar about pen testing tools that'll be archived and up on our website very shortly at itpro.tv slash webinars. But we've got a couple coming up that you're doing, Don. I think the next one is Jumping Clouds, AWS to Azure. So speaking of clouds, we're getting right back into that. What are you talking about on this one? Well, you know, a lot of people have deployed in AWS. It's very, they're the market leader, but Azure is caught up. And so people are starting to look at, hey, should I should I move my technology over to Azure? Should I stay at AWS? Or should I go hybrid cloud and deploy in both? So we're going to talk about some of the pros and cons of those different scenarios, what it looks like, whether it's feasible, whether you should consider it, uh, whether it's okay to ignore it. Largely, I mean, the answer to all of those questions is yes. It's just whether it's yes for your environment. So that's what we're going to look at in that webinar. And I bet our next one will be going back from Azure to AWS, depending on what you're doing, playing uh, with who's who's got the best deal at the time. But that, uh, that podcast is on Thursday. October 25th at 2 p.m. Eastern time, uh, and that will be Don uh, with Wes hosting there. And then we've got another podcast that I'm really, or another webinar rather, that I'm really excited about coming up at the end of the month on October 30th. And I guess this is with your your brother, Don, uh, just Ron Ron Bazette. That's right. That's yeah, because right. we're we're the going infamous Ron Bazette. <laughs> Ron Bazette, because we're going incognito. We're going on the dark web. Uh, that's going to take place Tuesday, October 30th at 2 p.m. We're going to look at the dark web and talk about how to see if your data is out there on the market. So um, pretty exciting stuff. And I think I think we'll have a lot of interest in that and a lot of fun in that one uh, being right around Halloween. But it's nice and spooky. Well, Don, any final thoughts before we close here? 
You know, with IT, we just keep an open mind, learn new technologies. It's a lot of fun. I encourage people to go to conferences like like I do because it is a chance to meet people, get a different perspective, and, uh, you know, keep watching TechNATO because that's what you'll get a chance to see. Yeah, and if you see us at those events, say hi because we're always looking for uh, new people to bring on uh, for interviews here because that's a, a great way to uh, get your message out and get some unique perspectives like the one we had today. So thank you so much for joining us on TechNATO, and we will see you next time.